You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. The next two weeks, I want to talk about relationships. Specifically, what does it mean to be a part of a church, to be a part of a family? I want to begin by telling you this. Have you ever, have you ever seen a really nice car? The lights are so bright. I don't remember this is the first time. There's this glare everywhere. All right? But you, you, you walk up to a really nice car, right? And you're like, whoa, really nice car. Especially like a brand new one. You get in it, and it smells really nice. There's maybe leather seats. There's like electric everything in the car. You can push a button, and tent comes up or down. There might be, if you have a sweet minivan, like a really nice minivan, there's like movie screens everywhere. There's like some thumping bass in the back. You know, there might be hydraulics on the car, right, to get it going. And it's really nice. And you might think, man, this is an amazing car. It's worth every bit of $150,000 that's being sold for. You might really believe that. That's like, as much as my house, I love this car. This car's amazing. It's so sweet. It's so fly. It's so hipster. I don't know if you can say that about a car, but probably not because it implies carbon footprint and we know hipsters aren't into that. So anyway, so maybe you wouldn't say the last one. But um, imagine the feeling though, to sit in the seat and someone says, well, take it for a test drive. And you crank it and it like starts up but immediately you could tell something is jacked up with the engine. Like there's like, da, 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 da. It's, like it's like a clunkety going around in the engine, right? Or maybe it sputters and then dies. Or maybe it never, maybe you go to rev it and it just stalls. And you're in this sweet new car. And if you cranked it up and that happened, you, you, your response would be like, man, this is lame. This car's no, what's up with this car? I thought, I mean, I thought one thing based on the way that it looked on the outside, it looked so nice. But when I cranked it up, what's up with that? And what if someone said to you, hey, whoa, 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 but look at the exterior. It's yours for $150,000. That's, I'll give you a break. I'll give it to you for 100,000. I'll give you a third off just because you're my friend. What would be your response? You're like, no way. No, I, you, you, it doesn't matter how nice the car looked. If it didn't run like it was supposed to run, then you wouldn't be interested in buying it, would you? You wouldn't be. It's why whenever we buy a used car, where do we go? Do we take a used car to a body shop? You're like, yo, 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 look it over for dents. No. You go, yo, 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 look, at, I want you to go on the inside and find out if there's any flaws in the upholstery. Any, you know, any, no, you don't do that. Whenever you have a car that you want to buy, that you're interested in purchasing, spending money on, what do you do? You take that car to a mechanic to look at the engine. I see all y'all looking at those babies. Don't worry. I've had four. I'm just moving through. Focus on me. All four eyes in the front under the glare. So... And so what you would do is you take it to a mechanic because you're most interested in how the engine runs. The engine in the car is the most important thing that happens in a car because if the car doesn't run, it's just kind of a glorified sitting space that costs a lot of money. Maybe a little hotel room, depending on the size of the car. But if the car doesn't work like it's supposed to, if it doesn't run like it's supposed to, the car doesn't have any real value. 
And so as nice as the car might be on the outside, where is it that it really counts? Thank you. You're right. And it's not the transmission, but it's, it's in the, the smallest engine compartment. And in the engine compartment, what happens? There are little explosions that occur, right? Between gas, I think gas and oxygen, there's a spark, and there's an explosion. That little explosion, what does it do? It drives the pistons out. The pistons go out, and I don't know what happens after that, but then things start happening, right? <laughs> things start going in the car, but it all begins with an explosion, with a little explosion, And you can tinker with all the things on the outside of the car. You can be impressed with all the things on the outside of the car. But if the necessary explosions are not happening at the heart of the engine, at the heart of the car, and the unseen, then there's no power. And without power, the car is worthless, right? Okay, you don't have to keep responding, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. (laughs) I do. I like that. I like that. But you don't have to. And so... And so what happens is the car, because there's power, the car then functions as it's supposed to. Well, the church is very similar to a car. You know I was going here, right? The church is similar to a car. And unfortunately, many of us look at a lot of the external things that happen in the church, try to fix those things, put money into those things, run these programs, have these groups, do these things, all the while decorating, making the church look pretty on the outside, But on the inside, in the unseen, if there are no explosions taking place, there's no power. And if the church doesn't have any power, it too is useless. It too is useless. And when people visit a church that is powerless, that's not running the way it's meant to run, you know what they do? They leave. They leave. Because the world is hungry to experience church as God has created it to be. And it's not about all the bells and the whistles on the outside. It's about the explosions that are happening in the unseen, in the places where no one else can see, where no one else is looking. And these explosions are absolutely necessary for the church to be who she's created to be. And the church can be beautiful when these explosions happen. And I'll say this, when these explosions, and there's two primary explosions I'm going to talk about today, when these two primary primary explosions occur in the church, the church naturally becomes the beautiful, powerful bride that Christ has called her to be. Just will happen. Just naturally happens. So hopefully you're asking the question, yo, what are the two explosions? Well, we've been talking about one of them for the last 63 weeks, abiding with Jesus. Okay. (laughs) I know. I was like talking to my staff, like, hey, what should I be preaching on? They're like, we've had enough of abide, Aunt Lee. Enough of being with Jesus, all right? But we've been talking about that. Well, that's the first explosion. That's the most important explosion. That is the explosion that sets you apart from the world. That is the explosion, that is the relationship that sets the church apart from the world. And so when we're abiding in Christ, what's happening? Well, the power for the church is the spirit, right? We would all, I mean, that's what the scripture tells us. It's not the power, it's not anything that we do, but it's the power of God that propels the church forward that makes anything relevant happen in the life of any believer. And so the most important thing, the first explosion that we need to have happening if we want the church to be powerful and the beautiful bride she was created to be is we need to be spending time with Jesus. We need to be abiding with Jesus because even though the power is in the spirit, the explosion happens in and through us. 
The power is in the spirit, but the explosion of how it manifests in the world occurs through you. You plus a spirit equals explosion. Okay? Begins the engine of your life running, begins the engine of relationship with God running, and begins the engine of the church running. If you are not abiding in Christ, spending time with Christ, and what does that look like? We've been talking about this. We've been talking about prayer, spending time in the word, personal time in worship, soaking, receiving prayer ministry. That's like all of those things are secondary to the primary experience of the spirit that's necessary. All of those things, worship, word, prayer, that's like, that's like pouring fuel on the explosion for it to grow, to become more powerful, right? Necessary, absolutely necessary, has to be happened, has to happen. That's the first explosion. Okay, so that's the first one. But there's another explosion that is absolutely necessary. It's not an option. If this explosion doesn't occur, the power of the church is lost as well. And I've been hinting around this. I talked about it two weeks ago. It says this in 1 John four nineteen. We love, we love because he first loved us. Okay, relationship with God, explosion with God is primary. God moves towards us, boom, we explode, right? Woohoo! Right? We worship, it fans it into flame, we become, we become more powerful as a result of that explosion. But then it says this if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother. What's the second explosion? You and me. You and your brother or sister in Christ. That's the second explosion that has to happen in the church if we want to become the bride that God has called us to be. If we want the power to move the pistons to be the church that God wants us to be. It is absolutely necessary. I mentioned this in my last sermon. I said, it's too hard to abide in Christ. It's too hard to follow Jesus without one another encouraging us. It's not an option, but rather is the other explosion that has to take place. I mean, imagine if you showed up on Sunday morning to a beautiful lobby filled with beautiful people and Audra, hashtag Keller Love, young Keller Love, who's awesome at making the church look amazing who's awesome at preparing people to greet you and welcome you. But what if when you came in on Sunday morning, these lovers of God did not say hello to you? And we had, a, maybe we like went and spent $1,000 on the lobby this Sunday. And it was beautiful looking. And you had all these happy, shiny Christian people who were professing love in God. And, they, and you came into the church and no one said hello to you. No one expressed love to you. No one even looked your way. How would you feel? What would you think? They don't love God. There's no love of God. You would just not, you'd feel like, man, what's up with that? You're like, what's wrong with me? Did I do something wrong? That's how you would feel. I mean, what if you came in, and we have amazing worship every Sunday here. You came in, you experienced the power of God, and you experienced, let's say you experienced the spirit, first explosion, boom. And you're here, and, you, and no one talked to you. No one cared about you. You never built any meaningful relationships with other people in the body. And you went home, struggled through the week, maybe had some personal worship with God, but no one 
No relationship of meaning in your life. You know what you would eventually do? You would leave. You would leave. The reason I know that you would leave is because I know people who have left because of that at RCC. It happens at every church. We don't mean for that to happen. And maybe people who are leaving at times aren't initiating or reciprocating. But that's what will happen. It doesn't matter how great the worship is. It doesn't matter how powerful the teaching is. It doesn't matter how powerful the prayer ministry is. At some level, we are built and designed for relationship. Now, all of those things do matter. They're critical. They're important to the primary explosion in our life and our relationship with God. But the way it is lived out is always in relationship to other people. Always. Jesus spent so much time his high priestly prayer, as he's talking to the disciples in, in, in John 15 and then in 16, he's talking to them about the importance of unity, loving one another, sacrificing for one another. That is a primary, is, is a primary thing that needs to happen if we're going to experience the power that God desires for us to have and experience in our life. There was a blog that I read this week, real quick, that uh, Trippett sent out, and it talked about a pattern among, the title of it was this, A Pattern Among Fallen Pastors, lesson for, Lessons for Us All. And it talked about four common things that happened in the life of pastors who had fallen into sexual immorality. Okay? And the four, here are the four things. There's 268 that they did this study with. Um, and they said, here are the kind of the, the things that they came up with that all 268 struggled with, okay, that they saw that were relevant factors and how this uh, happened. None of them, none of the men practiced real accountability relationship with another person. Number two, each of the men had all but ceased having a daily time of personal prayer, Bible reading, and worship. Explosion one, time with Jesus gone. Over 80% of the men were spending significant time with the women, often in counseling relationships. It's idiocy. And then number four is, each of the men, 200, all 246 of them were convinced this could never happen to me, pride. And then the article went on to talk about how we protect ourselves against this happening to us. And one of the points that they made is they said that God has created us to be in community, to live in community, to be in relationship. That's how we protect ourselves. That's how we defend ourselves against falling into different sin or any kind of sin. And it says this, the first thing, so there's three things I'm gonna tell you that you can be doing or that you can be asking. I'm gonna ask you a question at the very end, but these are the three things. There's lots of other things. These are just three things that this article talked about. It says, we have to be willing to speak truth to one another. What does it look like to be in relationship in the church that's different from relationships within the world? Is it just always hanging out? Is it always just you know, being casual? Is it always just being friends with everyone, being nice to everyone? No, it involves much more than that. First thing, we have to be willing to speak truth to one another. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are, go- we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we speak the truth in love. We're honest with each other. We say hard things to one another. We see a brother struggling. It says, in love, we move towards them. Ephesians 4.25, just a few verses later, it says, therefore, having put away any falsehood, lying, deceiving yourself that nothing's really happening, Avoiding being honest, avoiding being truthful with people. 
Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And this idea of being a body, that we need every joint to be operating if we want to be powerful. We need every joint operating if we want to have the explosions necessary to be the church that God's called us to be. Number two, we confess our sin and struggles to one another, and then we pray for each other. Yeah, that's not happening, is it, in the world? That's a big difference between us. The relationships that we're called to have with one another is that we're honest with each other. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. One of the things that this verse implies is this. If you're not confessing your sin or talking to or in relationship, how do you know how to pray? In a charismatic church like ours, we justify by saying, well, we just say, come Holy Spirit, and just kind of hope for the best. And we do that at times because we don't know what the Spirit wants to heal. But we also use that as an excuse to not get involved with each other's lives, to not ask hard questions, to not engage each other in love, to not pursue each other. And we stay soft, and there's no explosion. And we allow our brothers and sisters to remain in the same cycles they've always been in, their whole life. The third thing is, when we do fail, and we will, we chase after one another when we fall, when we struggle. So you see a brother or a sister, someone, I'm talking about relationships in the church, explosive relationships in the church. How do they differ from the world? When we see someone struggling, we move towards them. When we see someone hurting, we move towards them. We see someone in isolation, we move towards them. We see a relationship that's wobbling, we move towards them. We don't gossip, we don't retreat, we don't point fingers, we don't think, thank the Lord, I'm not like them. But we do. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, no, we move in to people's pain. We move in to people's brokenness. We move towards people who are struggling. That's the identity marker of how Christ did with us. Yet while we were still sinners, apart, separated from God, what did God do? He moved towards us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die, to move into our lives. It's a demonstration of what we're called to do with each other. Galatians 6 says this, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Here's the question I have for you. Who knows you? Who really knows you? Who's asking you hard questions? Who's probing your life, finding in a loving, gentle spirit the areas that you struggle in? And the litmus test is this, are you being honest with them? There might be someone asking you, but if you're not being honest with them, it doesn't matter. And if you're feeling the need to withhold from them, you're in a dangerous place. You will fall. You will fall. This explosion is so important to have happening all throughout the church. The other question is this, not only who knows you, but who are you seeking to know? Who are you pursuing to love? Who are you pursuing to get after and, and encourage and bless and walk with? A 
aside from the relationship with Jesus Christ, these are the relationships that need to be the identity marker of our church. Relationships that explode. Relationships that with, when they are poured and covered in prayer, and when we worship together, as we know each other and walk with each other, as we experience the word of God and read the word of God and study the, the word together, as we're in city groups together, as we're, in these, we're doing these things together, if we're actively loving each other in the way that scripture commands us, there will be explosions in our church that the world will find impossible to resist. You know, we want a greater and greater outpouring of God's spirit, of his love, of his life in our church. It happens in relationship with Jesus, in relationship with each other. That prepares the soil for a heart that is prepared for the power of God to come and move in love. Without relationships with Jesus, without love relationships with each other, power becomes very dangerous, destructive, and divisive. And God will not trust us with his power if he does not see that we have his love. Let's stand.